ladies and gentlemen of all ages, boys and girls. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Angry Meat Production. We appreciate you coming in and letting us be a part of your lives week in and week out. We hope to do our best to present you with something that your eardrums delight in. Whether you're looking at us on YouTube or Rumble, or listening to us on Spotify, Google, or Anchor, or any of the other podcast services that we are currently on or trying to get on, we thank you. And if you don't mind, at the end of every episode, stop by, leave us a comment, leave us a like. If it asks for five stars, we'll take five stars, even if you don't like us. Five stars are what it's all about. With that being said, we hope you enjoy our attempt to make our advocation our vocation. Ladies and gentlemen, let the games begin. Welcome, Angry Fable. Today on What the Hell, we're going to talk with Todd. How do you spell your, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> Heath? Okay. Uh, Todd Heath, he's a Hephaestus Industrial uh, Industry. Yes. Okay. okay. And uh, you're basically uh, wanting to invent stuff or whatever uh, event uh, products have you invented so far? There goes the uh, needing caffeine part. Yes, caffeine's important. Yeah. What is it? Was in the military the the uh, most signed uh, nicotine, caffeine, and ibuprofen? Yes, that keeps us moving forward. Oh yes. Uh, so go ahead and tell us about yourself and tell us about your uh, company. Okay. Um, me and myself, I graduated from Texas A and M as an oceanographer. Um, worked in the oil fields for a while. I was also in the army and did that for five years active, five reserves, and been to Iraq a few times. And now I still work for the government and as a physical scientist. And my side business is asbestos industries. I basically did a patenting licensing agreement with NASA on their excavator rovers that they designed and built. And so I'm trying to bring that to the market for when NASA starts uh, landing back on the moon in the next three years that three years we'll have the equipment to start mining and construction of um, the moon to start building moon bases and go from there. I thought it was less than that, that we're going to land on the moon. Or, it was no, pushed or, back to 2025 because okay. Biden didn't, couldn't talk people into giving enough money to NASA. Oh, okay. To okay. Money okay. Up after Trump. And that would have gave a win to Trump too. And, you know, Democrats don't like Trump and Trump don't like Democrats. So. Yeah. One of the, it's one of those hard things that, you you want to move that that's the reason why I hate politics. Yes. People wanted me to get into politics. It's like fuck that. I like to move shit going. You, you I, hate yourself the, enough to go into politics. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. If you're willing to uh, if you're willing to be one of those people that just, you know, okay, here's the idea. We'll pl- uh, plan it out. It won't probably be in your administration and it'll happen, but it'll be there. I'm like no, no. That's the reason why I think a lot of people don't understand. And I don't like career politicians. One iota. Yes. But it's one of those necessity evils because they're still trying. There's a lot of people that uh, run for concert center. They're still trying to get done. They're one thing. They promised their people they would get done. That's right. And, and they can't do it because – Politicians are supposed to be able to negotiate with each other, give up some things to get some things to move our country forward. And right now, neither one want to actually talk and work things out to move forward. Yeah, exactly. And but, so, uh, what is, are you allowed to talk about the uh, excavators? Any yes. anything of it? Yes, I can actually. Right now, I've already been designing was already making the parts for it and assembling it 
So I just got finished doing another order of parts they have cut out and sent to me. And I'll have my first one. Uh, I'm hoping within the next month, I already have the electric motors. I have the processors. I have the batteries and it just comes down to getting them in, bending it out, riveting it or welding. It depends. However, I decide to do it. Okay. And getting so the first not- one or two done. And, but see, NASA has a whole plan for the moon base already okay. layout because you need like a berm between the landing pad and the actual base. And then you have to have the power generation area. And that can't be by the base because they want to put the actual base inside like the Shackleton crater. Okay. And so there's no sun down there. That's where they can actually get to the ice and stuff that's trapped on the moon, and that's at the South Pole. Okay. So you're going to have to have solar panels and possibly nuclear generators up above the rim. So that means we got to build a road from where though that equipment is and bury cables all the way down to the um, living areas. Yeah. So there's a lot of construction that needs to be done and moving basically regolith from one area to another. We are designing the equipment to make roads by melting the regolith in place. And because some of the com- companies right now that are looking at building landing areas, stuff in that area is talking about using a rocket that just hovers in place, melts the equipment or the rock, and then it flies off and crashes. I think that's kind of a wasteful thing. So one of my um, equipment will actually go up, connect to the human landing system rocket, either SpaceX or somebody else, but mainly SpaceX right now, use their fuel and use that as a burner to to melt the rock behind it and make a road and path. That way, the rovers and anything else that NASA has for the astronauts to work around on can walk on it and not get dust on them. So they don't bring it into the environments because okay. dust is actually really bad on the moon. But you also, when we gather it and build the berms and everything else, then you can start processing the ore. And I already got the paperwork drawn up to how to process the ore in a manufacturing style, not just what NASA has been working on, what just poured into a bucket, heat it up and then you gotta figure out, gotta empty that bucket, fill it back up again. That's the waste. Yeah. So um, we're designing that process too, so we can get the equipment um, or the regolith separated to all the constituents, the gas, the iron, the aluminum, the titanium. And after that's done, then you can process it and sell ingots or you know, process the metal to like whatever you want to uh sell it because under the president's program anything we mine is ours i can sell it okay anything that um i can't own the property but as long as i'm mining it pick it up and move it it comes down to my company can actually do something with it okay so we're gonna um basically help build and start processing the ore so that when somebody else comes along and says, hey, I want to build something, and we can say, we got the iron, we got the aluminum, titanium, whatever you need the material for, and the gases, we got rocket fuel, we got water, we got metal, we'll sell it to you, and you can do whatever. Okay, so you're basically setting everything up to process on the moon instead yes. of bringing it back. Because there was, yeah, another- I mean, technically, yes, we can gather up the lithium that's on the moon. Okay, and bring it back and build car batteries or whatever we want. But we can also do it there. And then you got SpaceX that wants to build two there because it'd be a great experiment area before going to Mars. Yeah, it's and SpaceX has already stated they want to have a colony basically started by 2030. Okay, they're way like 10 years ahead of NASA on that point, but it's his money, he can do what he wants. 
and he will need the equipment I build there too. Okay. So yeah, because there was a because I was looking over uh, the economics part of it right now because a lot of it, a lot of people were uh, speculating, and this is like back in the day because. I got in this trope of that whole, uh, like, uh, the G.I. Joe uh, uh, movie where they had the uh, Tunstant Rod shoot down and everything like that. And it would take $10,000 per pound to yeah. shoot out. But they're trying to get it down to $100, $100 per pound. Uh, uh, SpaceX, if they work it out, will probably get down to probably $10. Per yeah. Pound. So you're not getting all this material and everything to bring it back to Earth. You're getting all the material to build uh, a base on the moon. Now, so it would be a little bit – from what I understand and I speculate, it's going to be a little bit easier. I mean you got the rotation of the moon around the, around the Earth, but it's a better jump from the moon to Mars. I mean it's basic logistics. Yeah, because – You'll spend the same amount of fuel, roughly, to go from Earth to the Moon as Earth to Mars. Yeah. There's not too much um, difference in the cost of to get your Delta V and stuff. And if you're not in any hurry, it's actually faster if we go from Earth, spin around the Moon, take a gravity assist, go slingshot down to Venus, take another gravity assist, and go to Mars. It's quicker using the fuel we have. When you start using, throwing in other exotic drives like uh, ion drives and Which nuclear they, drives, then it changes that calculations. Even the Dr. White, his proposal that he created um, recently and got, you know, came out in, I think it was May of this year, Dr. Harold White. I think it was May or April. I was like in between. It was like the end of April and beginning of May where he came that up. Yeah. So uh, there was so many different things when he came out. Says, "Oh, while I was working on the Casimir uh, effect for DARPA, I accidentally found this, and he ended up showing that a warp field bubble was created in the thing, and that actually means if he can get the money to fund it." And um, because the company he works for now, or not company, it's charity, um, has this um, COO of SpaceX working with them. Yeah. So it's actually a nice little effect, but that is the faster than light travel. Yes. So technically, us from Earth to Mars in 15 minutes. Yeah. But you got to figure out your startup time how long it takes to ramp up and slow down but and the, and the shielding for going into uh something like that to faster well the warp field bubble will actually make a um a they, they, field they, around it to help yeah. push away any um there there's that theory and there's also uh there's that theory and there's another theory of having the ship itself being able like the uh, sr-71 blackbird mm-hmm. uh if anybody knows the ssr blow ah sr 71 blackbird is the parts on the uh plane are actually opened up a little bit i mean it, yeah, it makes it expand yeah as it heats up as it moves through the atmosphere yeah that's why it leaks so much fluid on the tarmac yeah that's why they don't actually fill it up fully when they uh on the ground and they fill it up in the air because once it gets going it actually uh has less fuel but uh the other thing I was actually interested in is the ion drives. I love the ion drives. I mean, they're huge uh, so far the, uh, that they made them and everything like that. They're not right as small as you think. But, dude, I've been, I've been waiting for a TIE fighter. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's completely, you know, in complete honesty, it's well within the possibility of doing it because after we have a moon base or a base, and a like the um, Gateway Foundation is talking about building their bases. And after that, the first one, I said, I think they said the second and third one, it will eventually get to a point they could pop one out every week to a month, a uh, full size 250,000 square meter base. 
Oh, wow. Uh, orbiting base. And basically, it just brings the equipment up. It has a surround section that just assembles it, welds it, and it moves around. And so you have end up with a big donut shape, basically, with all the internal parts already assembled, everything. And you can talk about space hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. And after you get that, it'll be real easy for crazy people like you and me and other ones that be like, well, build a group of TIE fighters and X-Wings that people can rent. You have your little squadrons and have, you know, one little sealed room that's heavily insulated, have them go out there, play around a little bit with so much fuel and have an automatically say, I'm at this much fuel turns around and comes back that yeah. way you don't have to worry about you know if the idiot does fly farther away because that's all he's he's an idiot yeah. then have them uh recovery ship go out and charge them way more money than you ever think possible to go get him bring him back and but you could actually do something like that real easily because you're not worried about getting the atmosphere you're not worried about anything else and you can simulate your lasers to decide on how it hits, what it force it is, and the computer calculates it all, and you just come back in. It automatically attaches like the uh, SpaceX uh, Dragon does now to the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to actually. I'm a skilled pilot; I can do it myself. No, the computer will do it. It just shuts you completely out. Does it connects, opens up, and say, "Get out for the next person." It just sounds a very expensive way to uh, to play laser tag, but it would but be awesome. If you did something like that, the the greatest thing is you could rent that out to Space Force and Air Force to train their pilots. Exactly. And because until you make something of you know of some kind, they really don't know what they want or any kind of tactics or anything like that. Yes, it might be for no reason to have the pilots do nothing else, but at least you know if we ever really need a true space force that is armed, then you have tactics already figured out. You don't have to sit there, but, you know, just stupid training. Yeah. Uh, now, on on the scale of... Would you eventually be able to uh, set your stuff up to Mars? Because a lot of people don't understand that Mars has uh, their uh, ground, their soil is very acidic. I mean, they they had to, uh, they were going to do, I think it's like a a mixture of like ceramics and everything like that to actually build uh, like a 3D planner building buildings. On Mars. Because the, the like, percolites in the soil that needs to be processed out when they actually start building. Yes. And anything else. Because percolites and the salt don't interact well with organic material. But that's actually a really easy thing to wash out and get rid of. Then, uh, yeah, you can sit there and as long as you got CO2 in the atmosphere, then... It's easy to convert any carbon chain to something else. It might take heat, radiation, whatever, force to convert it into other kind of plastics. And then you can actually bond it with anything material-wise to do 3D printing. And also, uh, Elon was talking about using the boring company on it to help carve out you know, caves and everything else. And also, Mars also has uh, uh, volcano tubes, lava tubes, like they have on the moon and in Hawaii and stuff. But the size difference, you go to Hawaii, you got lava tubes that might be 30 feet in diameter. Mm -hmm. On the moon, your lava tubes could be up to 300 feet high and 1,200 feet wide and might stretch for many kilometers. Okay. And on Mars, they're going to be a little bit smaller, but you're still probably looking at a hundred some odd feet high and 600, 700 feet wide 
and how many kilometers. So you still either end that up and build up pressure. You got sealed environments right there. Okay. Now on those uh, particulates, that, uh, that was another thing. And I, when I watched this uh, video of all the stuff they were doing and everything like that, uh, are you able to use those particulates for other other uses and everything? Okay. What, what was what, what's some of the uh, uh, uses from those particulates? Well, the particulates can be broken down to its main constituents. You got basically it's a form of salt, and I forgot to see potassium, phosphorus. It doesn't well. Basically, after you wash the uh, elements out, those uh, percolates. And then you separate your water again from it to get the particulates out. And you can heat that up to where it's by laser, completely separate them all into their constituent elements. And then you can have the gases recondense as say helium, hydrogen, carbon, sodium, and save them in containers that you can actually re-add later to whatever you're building. So basically so you just can have your elements ready to go to create whatever you need. Basically the other building blocks of uh, mm-hmm. life. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, how, how far along, uh, you, you're not using any kind of, uh, plastic 3d parts that you actually make yourself. You're, mine, yeah. Mine you're is all, pretty much all metal. Okay. And I'll probably go with ceramic when I go later on because the heat characteristics are so much better and that way it will um, can handle micrometeorites hitting it stuff like that I also are working with another company that is actually making ballistic armor that wants to cover my rovers with that and to help them hold up and it shows in that way they can show off their equipment and show how well it holds up. They just need to work on making sure it handles the extreme heat and cold. And because that yeah. breaks down on some uh, ballistic material. Yeah, because some of the uh, uh, ballistic uh, ceramics and everything like that, we, we, it's the reason why we didn't use ceramic, uh, that much ceramics, like the dragon scale armor and everything like that, that was supposed to be the best armor that we have, is because it would. Uh, I forget if either the packaging or the uh, the heating elements from like uh, certain things didn't. Hold. Yeah, because uh, under extreme cold, they become extremely brittle. And That's what it was. Cold. You have one hit and you take out the whole pad. Yeah, exactly. And if it's too hot, then you might actually get it to separate. So you have to have a insulation layer, pretty much like the ceramics, to go over the top. True ceramic rock, not just the ballistic. Uh, like what you had to go over the top that way it stays in the shade and it stays cool all the time you would much rather have it cold than hot okay now uh on uh certain instances to where you're gonna have to repair the uh rover and everything like that are you gonna make it to where it's gonna be like a a swap out type deal or yes okay cool because i'm gonna basically make it as robust and as stupidly simple as possible. Unlike most engineers that like to over uh, overdo everything. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm used to working in the oil field and the army and stuff. And if you can make it extremely robust where it can take a beating and keep working, that matters more than, oh, you know, I would like it to get to the point like what Tesla is doing with their, uh, uh, front end and rear assemblies where it's just casting at one piece at one time. Yes. And the one that, that way takes 30 off. seconds to assemble most of the parts. And if I can do something like that, that means most of my costs will go into just the battery alone and it will break down the, to, it'll break it down to enough that you can say they're expendable. Yeah. And until we actually have, a working moon base there's no point to have something that needs to be serviced anytime soon so if we can take like 100 up there and by the time the astronauts get there we only have 
50 working, then we can have one of the astronauts trained up on the equipment or NASA or whoever's leasing the equipment from us can pay one of our employees to go up there and service the equipment okay, and fix all the problems with it, get everything up and running and then have them fly back. Okay. So that, that was another thing. I mean, if you have only like 50 working, uh, how, how easily would it be to just uh, swap the components to the other machines? Well, if you um, say you start out with a hundred and you got down to 50, the probability is that some of them were hit by a micrometeorite that took out a motherboard mm. or hit by something that took out a electric motor. So you could technically, the odds of it being hit in the same spot every single time yeah. is extremely low. So you could easily just say, hey, we don't need to haul any parts up there. We just take the parts and scavenge them off. And you can probably get everything back up to running within, you know, 80, 90 of them at one time until you can start taking extra parts. Okay. But with Starship's capability of taking 125 tons to low Earth orbit, get refueled and go farther, or the newer one that they're talking about that could end up being a stretched one that can do 225 tons to low Earth orbit and then refuel, go to the moon and land. You're talking about a lot of them because uh, you know, I'm figuring our rovers will probably be less than a thousand pounds, and if they can assemble them there, you know, just basically pull it up, push it onto the gear, pop a pin in, and the wheels are on. Mm-hmm. Something that simple. Then you can stack them really dense, and you know, technically you could take a. I guess you say a storage one or a supply vessel or one that does a 225 tons, you can land it completely drop off 220 some odd rovers that will work uh, 16 hours a day and then take eight hours to charge the batteries back up. Okay. And have AI controlled. So they constantly interact and avoid each other and, you can have controllers down here that would work on the computers controlling them and do stuff like that. And when they're not working for NASA or one of the countries that we uh, have signed the Artemis Accords with, then we can go off and use them for ourselves and mine and start building up piles of regolith and everything else to start processing. Because everything we got here on the Earth we have on the moon. So all the lithium, the gold, all that. And maybe we might eventually get to a point where we can bring something back. Then you can sit there and say, hey, this is a ring of gold from the moon. Your girlfriend might like that more than just, this is gold from uh, the slave dealers down in Africa. You know, I love you. And you're like, this one's from the moon. It's certified. Have one of those things. It's like this is Earth gold. This is Moon gold. This is what I. This is how much I love you. How much value would that increase? Everything. How much a diamond from the Moon be worth? Not that much. I mean, uh, oh no, diamonds are cheap. Yes, but if you have the bars or the bears or whatever they are called, say our diamonds are this expensive. Yeah, but this is from the Moon, and I'm certifying it's from the Moon. Okay. So yeah. You want to inflate your diamonds to cover that cost of your stuff? I can inflate my diamonds to cover the cost of whatever I want. Yeah, th- that's really says a lot of people don't know is uh diamonds are actually very very abundant. Yes. <laughs> they 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 are not as uh rare as uh the jewelers like to to uh say it when, is. When you take your jewelry to the metal broker he cares more about your diamonds and everything else yes he was like oh yes that's a real diamond but he doesn't count it as your gold and he normally doesn't give you anything for the diamonds he'll send them off someplace else because they have to be graded everything else it's a long tedious thing but gold is real quick and easy to you know process through yeah because i had because when i was over in uh uh, Bahrain. I bought a bunch of gold and everything like that. And the way they sell their jewelry and everything is by weight, not actually by 
the uh how much uh the jewelry would cost yes and i would come back and i would like wait a year maybe two and just sell it all uh all in gain the profit and everything from that it's just if you're able to do stuff like that it's a lot of profitability for you but uh on the uh you said you're gonna have uh are you gonna have actual uh people there to run the machines or anything or is it just gonna be earth no mainly here on earth in the moon we can control them from here there's not that much of a time delay really to operate the equipment and you are can, they gonna, um, if are we they have AI have, systems, stuff are like they going to have satellites uh, set up to where it's going to, uh, because oh, uh, back in, what was it, Apollo 11? They had like a blackout to where you couldn't get a signal and everything. Yeah, because the power right goes around and like when it gets over the Pacific, at the time there was very few um, stations that were pointing up in the Pacific. So oh, they didn't okay, really yeah. have like um, contact with Apollo and stuff like that. Yeah. And but all the land you had Australia, then you had um, India, Europe. But now we got so many satellites, and not to mention when we do start going back, it won't take nothing for say Elon to sit there and kick out fifty satellites to circumnavigate the whole moon, providing GPS to it and communications. Okay, yeah, because he could do that with one launch and put enough satellites around it to completely blanket the whole moon and yeah. or at least the uh our side because so how- if they turn around and just leave the satellites to go from polar region to polar region they can pretty much keep it steady on the light side okay because the dark side if the we don't send any really major satellites there to go over it it makes a great antenna or great place for telescopes, radio telescopes, and any kind of size telescope we want, we can put on the moon facing outwards. And you don't have to constantly edit your pictures to take out satellites running through the screen as the astronauts taking their pictures of the night sky like they do right now. Okay. Now, uh, on what you said there was the signal that was delayed, are you going to have like a more or less, a, uh, I mean, we have it now more or less, but are you going to have an, like an AI to where yes. it just sets up to? We're already um, working on the software for that. And so the programmer, by the buddy I have, he's uh, working on that at his, his side job, basically just doing that. And We'll just, I'm doing all the mechanical part and the wiring, and he's doing the software part of it to get controlled. And, you know, I figure we'll probably have like six or seven different styles of rovers to do different kinds of construction work and mining. And so some of them might not be used very often. Some might get used a lot. And then you, uh, when it gets to the point where Elon is going to Mars and there is a group of people already there, then yes, we will probably end up hiring people that do crew rotations to Mars or pay people that's already there to control the equipment. And then it will get, because with it being on that planet, you could actually start mining the equipment process to build more rovers and other equipment because mine it, process the metals, and start really building up. Because the only thing that limits us right here is us launching from here to the moon. After we get on the moon and start processing the ore, then you can turn around and say, we can start building massive equipment to really do construction on a much bigger scale. And, you know, you could do that really good on Mars. You can also do it on the moon too but it's just we got to get there first start doing it and then start increasing in size and scope have you factored in the uh, different of the uh, gravity for the uh, drilling and everything like that yes and the nasa luckily did this for the original excavators and that we got the patent for and 
Mars is uh, one third, the moon is one sixth gravity. So it just slows things down. It doesn't, you don't have an atmosphere on the moon, so it still falls toward the ground as fast. Okay. That way you can, if you fall on the moon and there's no atmosphere, you're going to hit the ground just as fast as you would here on Earth. Yeah, exactly. But with the atmosphere slowing you down, then you don't hit as hard. And that's why we need to, in my humble opinion, need to hurry up and get that going for when I'm too old to walk on Earth. I can walk in a habitat on the moon, and when I fall, it won't hurt as bad. <laughs> yeah, my, my hips are already getting I'm, – I'm like uh, – I'm about to be 44. My hips are just my, – my right hip is really yeah. starting to go – my knees are already shot. If I don't pop it in a certain time frame, I'm like, ah, oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my opinion is eventually that's my retirement area. I need to hurry up and start building <laughs> there for, uh, you know, I can still be really active if there's only one six gravity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I might could actually slam a basketball finally. <laughs> yes. Because, like, the moon, if you turn around and blocked off one of the lava tubes and sealed it up, you know, you got a habitat. You can make it whatever you want. You can have a 10-story building inside the cave, have it punch out through the top and have a dome that you can see the stars and everything from the top. And then another part of it, you can actually use it for storage of gas. Yeah. And if you store it up a gas and start building it up for, like, rocket fuel for um, Starship methane. Okay. Then you make it more like um, I think it's Titan, one of uh, Saturn's or Jupiter's moons that actually has it's a Saturn. methane atmosphere. It's Saturn. And well, if you have that and you start building up the pressure, mm-hmm. then it's already heated from you know living area and stuff like that. Put you on a nice wetsuit, put you on a regulator, slap some wings on and you can practice your flying by hand with wings up to 300 feet high in these uh lava tubes oh yeah and okay yeah I you can practice your soaring and flapping of the wings and everything else and what it's it's also one of those things is the different training that you're going to have when you're in outer space because uh it, it would probably be beneficial because we still have gravity. I mean, even, even when you're going into one of those, uh, what is it? Free fall tubes and yeah. everything like that. Uh, you, you still have to deal with gravity. You still have to deal with, uh, uh, acid. I'm trying to be smart by using this word atmospheric pressure and weight. That's right. But when you're dealing with stuff like that, you really don't have to worry about, and you can actually more simulate to yes. uh, a flight. Because you can actually, in those lava tubes and stuff, you can actually simulate pressure we have here on Earth really well. And you can even increase pressure to make it for you can actually flap, put some wings on and flap around like a bird mm-hmm. and something as dense as water. And you can, you know, basically swim like a fish too. And it's just, you know, how dense of gas you have to get what effect you want. Do you want to fly like a bird or do you want to swim like a fish? Because we're going to need liquids and stuff like that and gas and fuel and on the moon. So why not just take those areas, seal them up and make habitats and then storage areas and take advantage of the storage areas. And yeah. hey, let me practice my flying skills for, uh, you know, take the space force there and say, y'all going to Ganymede or Titan. So practice your flying skills. Yeah. Or you can act like a uh, Buck Rogers when they had them flying around. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason why I know t- uh, it's Saturn for uh, that Titan uh, moon and everything was because of Eureka TV series. I was yes. like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm this smart because I watch TV. 
No, I, show you. I always forget the names. It's like Ganymede, you have Tynan, you have uh, a few other ones that are really nice areas to go to and will be great places for uh, locations to put outposts. Yeah. And one of the uh, companies I'm working with right now submitted paperwork to them and we're going to try to do a joint venture with their armor and exoskeletons and everything else they're working on is submit mine to like Space Force and see if we can get some grant money coming in to help fund us. And because they can make a construction battalion for Space Force so that that way they have equipment and you go to any of the moons and planets in the solar system and start building out small bases. That way they have, you know, It'd be like the Antarctic. We have an army there controlling most everything in supplies. And you have Space Force there and have working scientists doing research all the time. And you just have Space Force doing the logistics and acting like the Coast Guard. When somebody breaks down, they fly out to help. Yeah, that would actually be kind of interesting. Of course, I just ended ended up finishing up on uh, Endurance, the expedition from like night. Uh, 1914 so that could have helped but uh uh now saying that and everything if the ai is in there uh uh if the i'm I'm just doing a a silly joke on this one if the ais get uh up and going and it start uh demanding uh uh subversion to the human clan and everything like that and the robots to you are taking those kind of precautions, so you don't have like a robot army up there on the moon, right? Depends. Are the robot army working for me? Ah, oh, dude, no. <laughs> that Todd can't be doing that. I'll be with you. <laughs> Take over the whole moon. Yeah. <laughs> it's mine now. It's my backyard. Hey guys, hey guys, I forgot to tell you, it's my moon now. What makes you think that? Dude, really? <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what the legal uh legal is the legality of that would actually be. There well, technically there is no legal legal thing on that because as a government entity, no, I can't control any- anything. I can't own property. Yeah. As an individual, technically I can't own anything. Anything I process and make mine is mine. But that's just what you know, like. The mining equipment, getting up dirt, moving it, and making metal and stuff. But there's also technicality is if nobody's willing to stand up and take it from me. Exactly. It's funny. Yeah. It's one of those. <laughs> have you ever read this thing called Sun Soon and How to Be a Warlord? I think you have not yet. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, like my company, I, most of the, if I can, get right i want to have the profits not all of it but some going to saint jude's cancer awareness and also veteran charities kind of like black rifle coffee and all that and give back to the community now i might have a bunch of angry veterans working with me constantly cussing me out and that's fine with me as long as you do your job i don't care and but uh no, I really don't think that the AI part of it is if it's for what we use, what would the rovers do? Slowly chase you down with the buckets trying to grind you up? I mean, yeah, there's not a... Yes, you're not going to be running real fast on the moon, but I ain't going to be doing a whole that. lot of... <laughs> I mean, there's just not much I can really do. I ground and fuck with people up. It's mine now. You know, there's just nothing going on. It's, I can be as ruthless as it wants, but, you know, technically a good a couple of good uh, sledgehammer swings and it ain't going to have a power supply with no solar panels on it. I know, right? But <laughs> I just I just pictured someone who just a knife on one They got solar yard. panels and you start walking away and it just, until yeah, it runs well, out of power. Well, a lot of people are scared of that, but we don't have the, uh, what was it, uh, 
Oh man, I just had the thought of it because. Well, we got the generator guy that is actually being used with uh, Tesla cars for driving. Yeah, and but you have to have like a very high quantum uh, processor. I think it's called. Yes, you can have that, or you can actually have um, processors that's neural linked together. And oh, yeah, that's right. The, the processors all instead of having one communicate with another one to another one, it's more like a spider web where this one can talk to any of the yeah, chips and it's directly linked to it. So you, it's a really big it's mess of wiring, high like your brain. It's basically a hive mind type uh, yes. deal. Like the those little processors each communicate and it uh, can process a lot more. That's more like what the dojo chip is that um, Tesla's building and other ones are building right now because the I haven't read anything about that. More uh, processor speed and more accumulation at one point. The quantum uh, entanglement and chips. Those are great and everything, but right now they still have to be super cooled. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if if you have your stuff in space, wouldn't it be a little bit easier? Well, you still have a hot sun that blows down on it. So it goes from negative 170 uh, Celsius to 120 degrees Celsius. So you got about, you know, 290 degree change in Celsius. That is a big swing. Yeah. So it won't take much to one, you know, little bit of heating up and your quantum computer is just dead for a while. It has to reboot. Yeah, that is true. I, I've, I've totally forgot. It. It's one of those things just like you, you think you're smart on this part and you're like, oh, yeah, you could just do it this way. Didn't you forget about this? Oh, fuck, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Totally Most right. of our technology is going really well in specific spots right now it's coming down to your metallurgy and your new materials that we are coming up with is making the advances that allows us to eventually get super um, conductive material and processors and everything else quicker and faster yeah and also you know if you assemble it and make it in low gravity then that actually opens up a lot more uh material that can be made because like fiber optics fiber optics made in space is better than fiber optics made on earth because it's you can uh, make it more rounded you got less um, um, pits and around the edge of it it's smoother and it's more conformed because if it's made here on earth even you got the outside atmospheric pressure pressing on it then you have gravity, so you're going to have one little beat that's a little bit thinner, one's a little bit wider, so that can cause fluctuations in your signal as it goes along. So, yeah, yeah. That was, I had to use that uh, – I actually had to use that gravity theory with water and everything just recently because of fucking flat earther. God, I hate those people. I was like – yeah, drop a uh, drop a droplet of water. What does it do? Oh, it makes it round. So in space, what does it do with the droplet of water? Well, it makes it round. It just yeah, it just yeah. centers around itself and depends on how much atmospheric pressure, depends how big that little uh, water pocket is, and it won't move. It'll just and if you you're got air conditioning and stuff like that, like on the International Space Station, it's going to fluctuate. Yeah. But if you actually didn't have any of that and just had a complete sealed container, you're not going to have that problem. It would just be a completely round sphere and probably one of the most perfectly circumference materials there is at the time. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's about it. I mean, we're we're shooting on an hour and everything like that. So uh, we can go ahead and call it here. Uh this is Todd Heath uh, working with uh, uh, Hephaestus Industries. Sorry, my brain's no not working. Uh, go ahead and uh, let everybody know where you can get uh, get in contact and everything like that. And uh, uh, we, Our website is HephaestusIndustries.com. I have the email. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. I have um, basically it falls under my name right now. And was, I have three employees. 
None of us getting paid right now, but we're working at it. Um, That's pretty much my podcast right now. Everybody helps me. I, no, no, no. Someone gets like 10 bucks every time they help me out. So only because of food. But no, we, um, that's all we, after we get a first couple of rovers built and can show them off, we will probably do a crowdsourcing and to raise more funds, including things with military unit coins. And that way, if you see me at the airport, if when Ephesus takes off and you catch me, depends which coin, say, hey, you owe me a beer. I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> you got the more advanced coin, I'll buy you a meal. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get us going. And I'll probably load up all my vehicles, all my rovers into the vehicle and go down to SpaceX and park it out in front of SpaceX and let them run wild to get you know, Elon Musk attention and say, these need to go on the first uh, human landing system that goes to the moon just before we can test it out. And because right now, if we can, I think they're going for $4,000 an ounce of material for, if you get regolith and bring it back, NASA's paying $4,000 an ounce, I think. Oh, wow. We can end up possibly getting like 180 pounds of materials in both buckets if uh they could actually bring it back oh, yeah. yeah but um they'll probably just leave it there so <laughs> but hey if we can test it and see what works and what's better and we can modify it before we actually go 100 in that would be amazing all because right but we can only test so much here on earth with the atmosphere and the gravity and we can't change those okay yeah. All right. Well, I'm David Dickerman. I'll let y'all uh, thank you all for listening and watching whatever you're getting uh, getting our podcast through. And I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for watching. Love you guys. Bye.